Hello, my name is Naranjan, the host of Master of Your Crafts podcast. Learning from leaders who are continuously inspired, passionate, and driven to align with their soul purpose, sharing their gifts to bring healing to others. The music is composed by Rebecca Everett. Today is episode number 57, and I'll be talking to Christian Elliott, a freedom-loving, God-fearing, awake, but not woke, entrepreneur, coach, husband, and father of five. He has worked full-time in the alternative health space since 2005. For nine years, he ran brick-and-mortar locations where he led a team of health and fitness professionals across the spectrum of holistic disciplines. That breadth of experience that taught Christian that real and lasting transformations go beyond the tactics of health. It's an inside job. In 2017, Christian and his wife, Nina, transitioned their expertise into a virtual coaching program designed to coach the whole human. His unique coaching model incorporates the trifecta of solid health strategies, the emotional, relational components of change, and life coaching that accounts for the context and personal ambition for each person. In short, Christian is in the business of creating health breakthroughs by going upstream to find and solve the real problems blocking people's health. Christian has a communications degree, a master's in divinity, as well as various health, fitness, and coaching certifications. He personally has done over 15,000 hours of one-on-one coaching and deeply loves his work. So hello and welcome to Christian. How are you, Christian? I am well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to delve into this conversation because not only do you wear very many hats, but you're doing so many different things from health coach, life coach, thought leader, and critical thinker, which is kind of the place I want to unravel in learning more about you and more of what you've put into place to support others on their journey of what life looks like now, what it looked like in the past, but what it can look like moving forward. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I'm I'm honored to have the title critical thinker that's a seems to be a lost art these days and I think some of critical thinking just comes from a willingness to constantly stay curious rather than frustrated and to say huh that happened okay now what or that's a different way of seeing things maybe what would it look like to entertain some logic from that starting point and I just find like once it once you get the idea that there's so much to know and you stop being offended that you may be wrong about something and just lean into like, huh, okay, well, shoot, what would it mean if that was true? And um, how do I find my bearings in a new paradigm? Um, Life gets fascinating because there's so much more to learn. And then you're not judgmental against yourself. You're just looking for, well, what 
then um, is the layer of truth that I had not understood before that helps me make more sense of the world. So that's, that's a skill, I guess I blend into health coaching, life coaching and blogging and whatever else I do is just trying to think critically and not be afraid of questions or holding competing ideas in my head and entertaining them both without feeling like I'm sacrificing my identity to do it. That's big. That's courageous. It well, takes a lot you. of strength and stamina to do that. Well, it does and it doesn't. It's, it, 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 maybe to get started, it takes some courage to step out and say, oh gosh, I was wrong about three or four really important things. But then once you've done that, then it's, it's, it almost would take something weird to go back to thinking the other way. When you go through life not expecting to be right all the time and looking for blind spots in your own thinking, it actually starts to become fun. It starts to become liberating because you're not expecting that you have to be defensive all the time and look for the holes in everyone else's logic. You can just look for the holes in yours and say, maybe I've got some assumptions here that I could question that would free me to think a little bit bigger. And when you do that and you find out you didn't lose your identity, you didn't lose your soul, that you learned something that you would not have if you didn't entertain a new way of thinking, um, it, it starts to feel liberating and doesn't take as much courage, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's a muscle. It's a muscle to be exercised, right? Yeah. Well, a critical thinking is not easy necessarily because it implies you have to follow logical threads. You have to stick with a thought and be fascinated, fascinated by a question over a long period of time and wrestle with or look for competing ideas and people that, who have a different way of seeing what you see that can then inform you with a better question. So it, it does take stamina as much as anything. And that, you know, if I've had, you know, one thing I can attribute to some of the success I've had is I've, I've stuck with problems longer than most people will. And what does it take to create a health breakthrough is one example. Like that question endlessly fascinates me. And there are always more things I can learn that help me better answer that question. And it just, it takes you down paths of study that um, otherwise you wouldn't go down. But if you can find a question that just fascinates the heck out of you, and you can be willing to stick with and sit with that question for a long time, sometimes that's one of the funnest waypoints to a sense of purpose or to a, a sense of novelty and adventure in this life. And it makes, it brings back the joy of learning. And when you have that joy, then once it sticks, it, it's, I don't imagine it's ever going to go anywhere at this point. <laughs> That's the magic of it, right? That's the yeah. magic of delving into that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. When did that first start for you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think in different ages for different topics, like I've, I've, I can look back on my life and probably like the rest of us have forehead smacking moments. Like we're, Oh, I was kind of an idiot or I was only interested in it being fascinated about this topic and not these topics. And so I don't know that I can hit one inflection point where it became more universal and I'm interested in questioning most things. Um, I guess the, the most recent example would particularly be COVID. That really opened my eyes to what I did not understand that I thought I understood or to systems that were in place that I was completely clueless about. So I, I had, I know a lot about health. I've been full-time in health since 2005. And so I, I wasn't surprised or blindsided by this so-called vaccine rollout or this quote unquote pandemic that supposedly swept the globe. 
um, I was able to see through a lot of that from the, the beginning because I just I've understood that I understand the character of pharma and the way that they have operated and some of the agendas that have been in place for a long time. And so it's like, wow, they are flexing some serious muscle here. Um, what I didn't understand were so many other realities of how corrupt the system was. It's not just pharma. It's banking is a major one that I was very blind to. Um, how corrupt different agencies are that I thought, you know, when Trump got taken off of Twitter and censored, I thought, well, surely there's going to be backlash. And to realize nothing happened, um, started opening my eyes to, okay, there's other people who are controlling things that I'm not aware of. You don't just get to censor people with no consequence if there's not somebody who is in charge of that and able to keep it going. So it's, it's several of those things, just, you know, three or four major paradigms of ways I thought the world worked that as I look back on, I'm like, oh, it doesn't work that way. And things I had kind of dismissed as conspiratorial or as highly unlikely, I was willing to take a second look at and say, maybe there's something here that I missed from the way ed education or entertainment or what we're doing to our planet intentionally and calling it something else. Um, there are things going on that I just didn't quite understand. And the the consolidation of of business and of industry and of the, you know, the profession that is ruling or of high level governance or business tends to collect a particular kind of person and right. understanding what the psyche is of that type of profession and how it kind of can collect people who don't have many scruples and are willing to do whatever they want and, yeah. and try to form the world in their image. It's just opened my eyes to a lot of different things. So COVID has been a big one and there's been out throughout life. There's been other ones where I like, whoo, I totally missed the boat on that, whether it's relationships or whether it's faith or whether it is right. um, just a basic understanding of business. Um, life has a way of humbling all of us. And when we get humbled, we can be mad or we can learn from it and try to refine our own philosophy. So right. that would be my answer it's to your question. It's a big one though, right? Yeah. If you can't step back and be okay with being wrong or you're going to dig your heels and I'm going to die on this mountain or I'm going to not climb it at all. Like, well, you might die on the mountain. So mm -hmm. can we live to fight another day? Can we look for a better philosophy? Can we be, because here's the deal. None of us can learn everything. Okay. Now that we know we can't learn everything. Can we be selective with what we choose to be ignorant about? Can we be, can we lean into learning the types of things that have the highest return on our life force? Can we learn a lot about relationships and faith and finance and health. To me, those are the, the big four. If we don't know a lot about those four topics, a quality of life or a richness of experiences will elude us. And if we can develop a philosophy that says, maybe I should get better at those four, um, the better you get with people, the more opportunities open up, the more people respond to you well, the better you get with understanding the economic system we're in and yeah. the realities that govern the laws of monetary physics, so to speak, or biological physics when it comes to health. And um, the more you have a framing worldview, a meta narrative that makes sense of the world we're in, the more um, beautiful life gets and the more mm -hmm. you prevent problems from happening before they even do. And then it just becomes a stewardship issue of, okay, of all the different places I could direct my focus of effort professionally or personally, what, what do I feel called to do? What do I feel like is most important for me to engage in? Because back to my ignorance comment, you can't know everything and you can't fight every battle. So which ones are intrinsically interesting and which ones are you qualified to be participating in? And from that perspective, life takes on a 
a richness of options that um, I crave for a lot of people, because if you feel purposeless, it's really hard to get yourself going in the morning. But when you have purpose everywhere you look and so many things worthy of attention, then it's, you just get to try to step back and find the wisdom to know where to put your hand to the plow. Mm -hmm. And it's so key to have that purpose come from the right place. Because often we can go, all this purpose, I got bills to pay, I got kids to put through school, I got X, Y, Z to do. But is Mm -hmm. it really feeding your soul? Well, there's, I think there's a mix of that. There's, we all have to make ends meet. And there's a base level of relational needs we have, of social, of emotional needs we have, there's physical needs, and there is just work to be done to meet those needs. And it's a mark of a civilized society that has free time, that has time to do art and to explore new ideas and to come up with new inventions that um, make life better. And and the more that we um, get good at the basics and can I think society thrives the more of us there are because there's the more people that can contribute. If you were the last person on earth, you'd own everything. And then you'd wake up the next day and go, shoot, I have to grow my own food. And then I have to harvest it. And then I have to turn this grain into flour. And then I have to bake it. And then I have to figure out a way to store it. And I got to get up and do this again tomorrow. And it, it quickly becomes overwhelming trying to meet all of your needs by yourself. And when you can understand that plugging into community and plugging into um, systems and that we can, as a society, raise our, our um, standards of living or our um, impact, and that we can make more room for more of the things in life that are just sweet and worthy of enjoyment and find time for that. Yeah, there's an intentionality that it takes, but um, it also helps because we're all wired differently. We all want to run after or find fascination in different things. And so when we have the luxury to... Um, take the time to meet our basic needs and do that well, but then we do it well enough that we have time for adventure and going on a boat and taking a trip and um, playing with our kids and making up a sport or a game. My kids are so good at making games. Play is what they do when adults don't make them do something, right? It's just part of how they're wired. And so where can we enjoy more of um, some, the good parts of childlike behavior and find a way to flourish um, we do need to meet our basic needs and we can't begrudge that and get mad at it. But I find that often if we're having a hard time meeting some of the basic needs, often what's under that is we haven't developed some of the better philosophies or come across better ways of thinking that make this game of life easier from the way we, we relate to people to the time we spend at work and the effort it can return to us. What do you feel are some of the key attributes that connect you? to your purpose? My purpose, I guess, just personally and professionally, probably answer a little bit differently. Personally, obviously, I, I have a wife and five kids and needing to provide for them is a very pragmatic um, use of my time. And it's it's something I love to do. And I, um, I had the opportunity to step back and say, well, in what way do I want to be able to provide for them? What kind of work would I like to be doing? And then you say, okay, well, can I make a living doing that? And what would it take? And so to be able to, um, knowing that I have to do something to provide, um, then I can step back and say, well, what would I like to be doing? And maybe you can go to it right away, or maybe it's something you build for five or 10 years. And finally you have the option to do that. But for me, what, what fuels me with purpose is knowing that, 
um, I get to matter to them every day that I get to speak into their lives that I get to, um, celebrate moments and just be the listening ear or the wrestling partner or the, whatever it is that have four boys. So there, there is no shortage of opportunities for wrestling wow. in this house, especially because okay. they take jujitsu. So now they're even harder to, anyway, they, they have, um, they're like Labrador retrievers. You have to run them every day. <laughs> so that gives me, um, endless amounts of fun, purposeful things, and sometimes exhausting things that I could do. Um, but I guess professionally, where the overlap is, is I, I wanted to do something that if I have, you know, most of us have to spend roughly a third of our life at work, mm-hmm. you know, get a third sleeping, I mean, get a third for what's left. And um, if a third, you know, more or less, depending on how well you organize systems that undergird where your time is spent, but let's just say for argument's sake, a third of our life is spent at work, then can we step back and say, well, what kind of work would I actually like to do? And for me, that that meant impacting people and creating breakthroughs, whether that's spiritually or emotionally or physically with their health or helping them create a business. There's so many different things I could really enjoy doing. And so coaching fits me really well because it lets me, I don't have to act like a therapist and only talk about the past or, or really just stay stuck in the emotional lane. I get to, I get to look at the landscape of a person's life, similar to like a, a head coach in a sport. They look at how much time's on the clock and what are the opponents doing and are my athletes tired? And you get to look at the whole landscape of a person's life and help them be your thought partner and a coach to point out their blind spots. Cause we all have them. I need a coach too. And yes. so that the, I find purpose in doing that and waking up knowing every day, I'm going to have substantive conversations that are going to help people know themselves and their options better. And then to face down the, what does it take to be consistent working at my goals to face down the, do I really want this goal or am I chasing it because I think somebody else wants me to run after this goal? And so to see the, the light bulb moments, to see the tears come and then to, to watch the smile return at the end of a call or to, um, celebrate someone's accomplishment of something that had eluded them for a long time. Mm -hmm. And to know that I'm part of that or that I'm helping them disentangle from poor philosophies or enslaving systems. Um, there's an endless amount of ways that can feel purposeful. And as as long as I don't lose the plot of why I got into this in the first place and what I'm doing, it, it endlessly feels like there's purpose, whichever way I aim myself. And I just need to be a good steward of my time and energy to do it well. Right. Beautiful. Do you believe that that's your calling for what you're here to do? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you could say that. I, th- I, I don't pin calling down as to this. There's the one phrase that's going to fit on my tombstone and yeah. everything in my life has to line up with that in, per- in terms of something that we can measure on this earth. I think my calling is, is to know God and then to glorify him and, and to do that best I can to push back against the effects of living in a broken world. And so that, um, in whatever way I can participate in that, I feel like that's what I'm called here to do. And there's so many different ways that could um, matter, whether it's helping someone random that you meet in the grocery store, or whether that is, um, you know, doing a long-term coaching engagement where you're really going to get in and and figure out this person's life and business and health and whatever else that um, they want to move forward. Um, Yeah. For the season I'm in, I think coaching is definitely what I'm called to be doing. And I love it. It's, um, I, I am an entrepreneur, which I differentiate from a business owner. We're entrepreneurs. We find a, a problem that just fascinates us. And we have a unique yeah. ability to say, I'm going to figure out how to solve that. I'm not just interested in plugging into a system that's working. That's yeah. to me, that's a business owner. I, I want to forge a new trail and figure out a way to matter. And 
maybe that's as much the calling is just to continue to find what's next and find the way to matter and to be sensitive to the idea that times change and maybe where I'm aiming will change in the future. But for now, um, the coaching and the kind of putting groups of people together who are organized around causes um, is something that just uh, endlessly fascinates me. And I find a great source of joy doing it. Beautiful. And what an opportunity and what a gift to be able to recognize it and be able to live it. Because I'm sure there are many people out there who recognize it, but either they don't have the courage, support, Mm -hmm. know-how to step into that space. I consider it a privilege to be able to do this work. And I, you know, I'm only, I've only been doing it the way I'm doing it now since 2017. I've been in health since longer than that, but to, I had a defining moment. We had to close a business down that was brick and mortar. It was a painful story. Didn't see it coming. And it was a, a very hard season of life. And that was kind of my clean slate moment to step back and say, okay, well, what now that the slate is empty, I have an opportunity to say, what do I want to put back on the slate? And knowing that, that there wasn't an easy path in front of me, it's like I could, I had the frame of reference to say, let me, let me choose the suffering I'm about to go through here. I can choose to suffer going down this path or this path or this path. And I, I, in the final estimation, I wanted to suffer. What does it take to do the work I'm doing now? What does it take to um, grow into the kind of business that um, gives me the lifestyle I want to be ability to be home with my kids and to keep the homeschool model going. And um, so Boy, oh boy, is it a, it's a slug fest to it. What it does, if you, if you choose the entrepreneur route, it's a self-development course disguised as a way to have time, freedom, and financial freedom. It is a growth trajectory of here's all the things you haven't learned yet, buddy. Here are all yeah. of these skills you need to develop. Yeah. And here are the limits of your time and how much energy you have. And it just puts all of them at the forefront of your thinking and forces you, force feeds you those realities. And for me, I'm ridiculously difficult to discourage. And so I, I, I have frame of references of people who have become successful doing work that I, as objectively as I could say, is kind of a watered down version of what I can do for people. It's like, I know I can deliver better results than that. And these people are more successful than me. So what in the world have they figured out that I haven't yet? Right. And to be able to step back and say, what are they doing? And deconstruct their process and to say, there is a lesson that they have come across that would make a big difference for me if I learned it. And so to be able to step back and, and that's where that fascination and humility comes in and say, what else have I not learned? And then there's like this number of tech platforms you have to glue together to run a virtual business. The number of skills that I did not think I needed in order to get to the moment where I can actually do the coaching. Um, Sure enough, what I found in the process of learning, let's say marketing or copywriting was, oh, I'm actually studying something that would make me better as a coach. I'm studying human nature and studying copywriting. I'm studying the human heart when I try to learn marketing. And um, it is the overlap of those skills. And it's the willingness to just, like I, at some point, I don't know, I don't know if I could tell you when it happened, I became non-allergic to failure. I just, if this might work and it might not. And if it doesn't, the sky is not falling. I have successfully learned what not to do or that this way I talk about it or this way I have thought about life is missing something. And so the freedom again, to just say, I don't know everything, but let me try something and put it out there in the world and see if people want it or it makes a difference. And to not let that deter me if it doesn't, um, 
that's as much, you know, you find your, if, if you have the interest in becoming your own business owner or entrepreneur to have some sort of ramp or some sort of way to let you continue to face down the hard questions so that you can find your way. Um, eventually you can, if you just commit to not stopping and not learn, not stop learning, um, somehow it will happen. But yes, to your point, it is a slugfest to, to get where you want to go. If you want to be an entrepreneur and do it in the virtual space and stand out amongst a very noisy market. Um, so it's just a lot of hours and a lot of stuff people don't see. I was a a kind of an overnight success, 16 years in the making, um, as people started finding what I do. So (laughs) it's a, it's a commitment to continually learn and to just, um, choose well amongst the options that you have or you know of in order to continue down the path and, and finally make it work. Yeah. So with that, what do you believe about yourself? And I'm going to add a a caveat on there. Do you feel it defines you? Okay. So what I believe about myself is a few things that I have intrinsic worth because God made me and said, I'm valuable that he is, he has put me here for a purpose. I, I wasn't an oops. And the, narrative of history. It wasn't this blip. Like, how did that guy get into that body? Like, who's that? Where did he come from anyway? Like, I think there's purpose behind that. And so my identity isn't mixed up in doubting. It's not nihilistic of nothing means anything. And um, Mm -hmm. if we can start with the presumption that there is a creation that implies there's a creator or there's design, there's order behind this world, then it had to have come from something intelligent that made it. And so my identity, um, I, how does it define me or am I defined by it? My, um, I like to think that my view of myself isn't so rigid that it cannot be updated, that I can't learn more about right. who I am or what um, ways I have seen things that didn't quite hit the mark. And so to be able to say and enjoy the fact that this world is mysterious and that it has so many mind-blowing elements of things to learn that can then inform a more accurate view of who I am or what this whole grand universe is about. I tend to see every category of study, every ology as a subcategory of theology. I think the more that we understand how this universe works or the more we understand physics or food or weather or whatever, and the more we actually understand the God who made it. And so I'm open to, and I look for and enjoy what other things can I learn that would more accurately inform how I see myself? And so um, I anchor to an identity that, that there is purpose, that this world is progressing to, um, you know, a, a new heaven and a new earth, that there's going to be um, justice and fairness, and there's going to be a, a, a beautiful world at some point. And it is above my pay grade to know the timing of when all that is. But my job, my duty in this world is to do the best reflection of the principles of the kingdom of heaven that I can do. And to work from that platform, I see myself as a, a steward of time and energy and money and, and whatever resources I have are meant to be stewarded, not hoarded. They're meant to be here to help as many people as I possibly can yes. with the humble recognition that I have limitations, right? I think God could have created the world where we didn't need to sleep and we didn't need yeah. to eat and sex wasn't appealing. And there you pick the number of things that we just that the world is, it is just this way. They, they follow as night. And um, yeah. we don't need to fight those and pretend the laws of how the universe works don't exist. Right. And how can we then live more in line with the way God set this dance up to work? And I, I think the more we do that, 
the the easier life gets and the less we become so you know dogmatically or um, unhealthily attached to who we think we are and we can step back and say okay I, I got the basics covered I know I'm created in the image of God and there's a purpose for this life so beyond that now I just get to explore what the rest of this dance of life is all about and I hope that you know six months from now and six years from now we catch up and I've refined my identity of who I think I am and I'm living from a healthier, more whole, less anxious place that is just more informed and more in awe of this, this beautiful event of life, short as it is. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about how you've got to where you are now in, in the evolution and growing and learning and peace. Mm-hmm. Is it because all of those milestones and all of those experiences that pushed you into that critical thinking space? Yeah, it's probably a mix of both. So for, for background, I grew up in a Christian home. So I was, um, I grew up around a Christian worldview and that is, you know, to this day, I can't make better sense of the world that we live in outside of that framework. I've, um, whether it's, you know, academically studying, you know, the theories about where the world comes from, or whether it is diving into the the different religious experiences that are out right. there and taking them to their logical conclusion. There are ways you can do that. Um, there's a great book, The Universe Next Door, which just explores all of those. Um, and so some of it, there's there's an academicness to it. And there is a, um, there's that, a willingness to think critically that opens up, okay, there are different ways of seeing this. And um, what I, what I found at least is that the Christian worldview never failed to hold water. It actually made the most sense, whether you're talking about geology, whether you're talking about that, you know, sins of the father passing down through the generations, we can understand that biologically. And so um, I ended up going to a Christian college and then I went on to seminary and, and, and went deeper into trying to understand what it means to be human. What is human nature about? What is common amongst all of us? And mm-hmm. That to me represents a creator who created us in his image. And it's that the things that we all share in common are something that teach us about him. And so whether that is the longings that we have or what from a Christian perspective that we live in a fallen world, a Judeo-Christian perspective, we live in a world that was, we were, we have eternity set in our hearts and we long for a world to be what we know could be better to just and fair and loving and, and without war and so on. And yet we live in a world that, that isn't that way. And to be able to say in the created order, there, there is good and there's evil and there is, there's light and there's dark. And there are people who are in, you know, and in, whether inspired by the wrong spirit or, or whatever has created this kernel of um, destructive behavior that plays to our disordered desires and, and manifests and fights the way God set up this world to work. The more I have studied that at depth, the more I've found there's a God-shaped hole in all of us that only God can fill. And it's it's okay to say black is black and white is white and right is right and wrong is wrong. And that there is good and that there is evil. And um, that it informs it, it to know that creation was not a, an accident. He wasn't sitting around and had a thought and like this earth showed mm-hmm. up and you know, like mm-hmm. there was intent behind that. And because there was intent, he, he also... and a God that could create this much order <laughs> has to have some sort of plan and couldn't be anything but loving. And yet also has the ability to set up, here's the rules for how this game works. There's, there's black and there is white. And um, I think God gets to set the standards for morals and ethics, and we can fight that at our own peril, or we can work within it and not begrudge that 
he set up you know, relationships to work the way they are. And he, he created two genders, not 10. And he created right. light and dark and day and night and food and sleep and all of those things. And so to me, what I've learned or stacked on top of that foundation of a worldview has continued to make sense, whether we're talking health, whether we're talking finance, whether we're talking, um, it doesn't really matter the topic, relationships, I think is baked mm-hmm. into the image of God. He created us because relationships are important and it's not good for us to be alone. And he created work for us to do. Mm-hmm. And we image God by working at something and that mm-hmm. we um, glorify him by producing and that it, that is good. And so the more I have let my life be underpinned by those perspectives or philosophies, the more I've been able to step back and know that I've just barely crossed the threshold from knowing nothing to knowing something. And that there's a vastness and scripture talks about seeing through a glass dimly. Like I, I know that like all of us resonate with like, we want fairness that we want things to feel just, we want things to feel Mm -hmm. um, like we matter and we contribute. And to me that if those types of concepts can weave their way into your thinking and you can step back and have the confidence that, wait, I'm loved and fully loved and fully known. And there's nothing in the world I can do to get away from that then what exactly do I have to be afraid of? What exactly do I need to feel insecure about? Because when this is all over, I'm, I'm playing on the winning team here. <laughs> and so um, from that perspective, that failure isn't a, an identity, it's an event, right? It's just a, right. it's a chance to learn something. And my quote unquote failure in, a, let's say a relationship where I, I could have done better is an opportunity to um, foster humility and to ask for forgiveness and to say, I can see how I made you feel that way. And I, I am committed to trying to do better. Um, and to, for me, it's a concept that helps me a lot in life is to hold loosely what I want to have happen, which does not mean I don't work hard at it, but I know the outcomes are above my pay grade. They are not for me to decide. I will do my best to be responsible with the knowledge and energy and, um, you know, passions that I have and to put them to work at something that makes the best sense to me in the moment and to say between me and God, I think this is what you're calling me to do right now. And to in business, it's a great way to learn to, you have 10 ideas. You're lucky if one of them's good, right? right. You, you, you work at something and you, you see what comes of it. And then you step back and say, what did I learn from that? What could I do better? And it just, you just slowly inoculate yourself against feeling like you're failing against things that want to tell you that you're worthless, that you don't have what it takes, that you don't matter, that you don't belong, or that um, life is cruel. And and as those false narratives lose their power, what fills the vacuum then is a sense of hope and a sense of purpose and a sense of mission and a sweetness of life in the relationships that you do get to experience that is so enriching that you wouldn't want to do anything else. So that, I don't know how directly I answered your question, but it, to me, I I don't know how to answer. I don't know how other faiths always answer the questions about meaning and purpose and how they're able to, um, we just wake up every day and feel like it's a gift. Like it's the next thing I get to do. And that doesn't, it it may sound Pollyanna and I don't mean to brush Mm -hmm. over things that are hard and all of us, none of us get to skip trials and difficulty in this life. It's just baked into our experience, but the hardest things in life are the ones that have the most opportunity to shape us into better people. If we can lean into them 
and, and not begrudge that this is a hard season or a hard lesson and have the humility to say, what, what next, what do I learn from this? And how can I become a kinder, softer, gentler, non-anxious presence that's still on mission? And because the other trajectory is bitterness and anger and being jaded and mad at the world. And that leads nowhere good. So then if I, if my other option is to try to go down the path of learning and kindness and so on, what does that physically look like in my day to day? And as we wrestle with those concepts, it gets easier to find where we do matter and and what work we want to be about that does matter. So. Absolutely. Beautiful. I think it's also interesting from my perspective whatever word we want to call that. And I recognize you come from a faith base, so your word is God. Mm -hmm. For me, it would be universe, source, but ultimately I feel we're saying the same thing. It's something bigger than you and I. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's some greater power, greater knowing that we have an opportunity to have a relationship with Mm -hmm. and how we navigate through that, whatever religion you want to call it or not a religion, it doesn't matter. But having that sense of knowing that if I trip and if I fall, there's something that's going to catch me. Yeah. Without that, life just feels cruel. It's nihilistic. It's Darwinian survival of the fittest. And yeah. it's just dog eat dog. And there's no, there's nobody that has standards for morals and ethics. And I think that's some of what we're collectively globally up against is there's a, a collection of people who, who feel they're accountable to no one. And they're, yeah. they're the higher greatest good and whatever ideas they can think of, if they can force them on the population, that's because they were better and smarter than the rest of us. And and because they see themselves as gods or the idea that we're going to become gods, if you know mm-hmm. Noah Harari, little fill in the blank, what do you want to call that guy? Um, then just knowing that there is a competing narrative that it, to me, if, if I could sit with those guys and reason with them, <laughs> I could probably show them the hollowness of that. But mm-hmm. they're, they're attempting to meet their, their perspective of the world as best they can. And absolutely. Um, to the destruction, I would argue, of of other people and other perspectives. And that lack of humility, I think, is going to be their blind spot. Because yeah. even in that circle, your point still stands that we all feel connected to some higher power. We feel connected to there has to be some purpose that I'm here for. Their purpose is to figure out how to rule over us and to subjugate us and to force the world into their image of how it should look when it's functioning at its best. That's still their higher calling, if you will. Um, I would just argue they're trying to meet that need in a different way that I would have a a bone to pick with. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah. It'd be an an interesting uh, coffee table chat. That's for sure. I don't think Bill Gates would ever sit or Soros or Schwab would ever sit down with me and have those conversations. They're not big about taking questions they don't like. (laughs) Right. Maybe not in the physical but yeah. on the energetic level, it might be a whole different story there. Might be yeah, a whole well, different story. For sure. Beautiful. Cool. So I want to quickly capture in some of the pieces that you are rolling out because I learned that you are in the middle, or should mm-hmm. I say, you've created this formula of a course. 
mm-hmm. to guide individuals on and through a process of what I want to translate it as standing in their power mm-hmm. in all aspects of their own life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, the project you're talking about, or the program, we call it the Sovereignty Project. And we, we spent time even thinking about that name because sovereignty is such a big word, but we believe God is sovereign. And that if we image God, part of our duty is to, you know, to exhibit sovereignty over the things he tells us to be sovereign over. And so the sovereignty project as a program is really just all about, it's our response. It's my reflection on that question. What am I good at? What's my sacred duty here? Where do I engage in this fight for what I would call freedom and, and to push back against the evil of, of a worldview that is trying to enslave and dominate and has no qualms about killing off of as many of us as they want. Like my response to that is, is, you know, where do I fit in the puzzle of that fight? And it was to step back and say, I can help people disentangle. I can help them figure out their path through complicated. And so the sovereignty project, we, it was really what it was initially was my wife and I just saying, how are we going to respond to the fact they're trying to take away everything we have and tell us we'll be happy about that? How are we going to respond to the supply chains melting down and the immoral money that we all live under the fiat currencies and how do we respond to um heck just natural disasters that may come up and and be prepared for um a little more agency over our lives and how do we make a living outside the system so a lot of those different realities that we all are waking up to at different levels or becoming aware like there's there's actually things to get prepared for we created a program called the sovereignty project and so we just started looking at you know the major aspects of life where um, whether it's digital independence or whether it's food freedom or whether it is not needing the hospital system or not needing an employer or, you know, ethically reimagining taxes and um, how to get out of debt and, and all the different facets that at, at, from different angles enslave us and that keep us beholden to systems that somebody can flip a switch on and tell us, sorry, you can't use that anymore. And right. because we said you can't, and we don't, you can't say that and, and so on. So we are in the, you know, beginning stages, we're in the first of six modules to walk people through what does it mean to reclaim sovereignty in a way that builds communities, that builds parallel economies outside the systems that we're against? So we can fight the systems. And I think for some people, that's very appropriate, lawyers and doctors and people mm-hmm. who are in them. But I think most of us need to get busy with the work of building, of right. not just fighting what the machine is trying to do, but building the systems and the communities that make their agenda irrelevant. When they say, you can't say that, you have to use our digital currency, you have to take this shot in the arm or you can't keep your job. We're like, oh, no thanks, we're good. I don't don't need your technology that's tracking me everywhere. I have other options. And they just become more and more laughably irrelevant to our Mm -hmm. lives. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're about now. We're building a program, we're, we're, um, we've rolled out a program called the Sovereignty Project. So Good. if anybody is interested in those topics, they can find out about that Absolutely. at our website, but we're still doing our coaching business. And so yeah. that's a little bit about it, but. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see the outcome and the fruits of the labor that the individuals will receive mm-hmm. from that very hands-on, tangible, integrative process that you you take individuals on. So. Congratulations yeah, of setting that up. It's not a well, small feat. Yeah, thank you. It's, no, it's it's overwhelming at parts, but I, I I jokingly say I eat complicated for breakfast. I, for whatever reason, have a knack for zooming out and figuring out, okay, of all of that noise, what are we? Where's the signal? What do we actually have to pay attention to? And so we, I've been to other versions of this from different people who are trying to do similar work, and whether it's the event or video series or just there's yeah. different. I'm not the only one trying to do this. Where where we have a 
a niche maybe is that we are, we made it a year long program because there's so much to learn. And then we actually have to take time to do it and disentangle. And so we rhythmically yeah. have that baked into the experience of learn something, take action, learn something, take action. And right. um, it's, it gets personalized to the individual, but um, cool. yeah, it's a fun process and stretching me in all sorts of challenging ways, which I love. Amazing. Amazing. This is beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all that you've learned mm-hmm. and all that you're doing. I'm so grateful for you to be able to take time out to capture this conversation and for me to share it with everybody else so they can take the wisdom that you have learned through some of the harder lessons that you have had through life and apply it to their own in a very courageous way, knowing that there is a softer place to land energetically, but also physically. So thank you, Christian. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. I'm Naranjan, and you've been listening to Master of Your Crafts podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and join me next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.